Welcome to the Brownstein Hyatt Farber Shrek podcast series. This episode of Brownstein's What's Next podcast series, devoted to the legal, political, and business issues companies will face in the weeks and months to come as a result of the COVID-19 pandemic, focuses on the liability risks of making inaccurate statements related to the current crisis. Brownstein shareholders Mitch Langberg, Greg Brower, and Alyssa Gardenschwartz discuss how representations businesses make to obtain benefits from the trillions of dollars of aid approved by Congress and statements made to the public surrounding businesses reopening can lead to government investigations and civil litigation. Hello, welcome to Brownstein's What's Next podcast series. I'm Mitch Langberg a shareholder in the Las Vegas office of Brownstein Hyatt Farber Shrek. Our series is focused on the legal, political, and business issues that business leaders in our community are going to be facing in the weeks and months to come as a result of the COVID-19 pandemic. While you all are focused on all of the challenges surrounding reopening, our goal is to share relevant experience of our attorneys and policy advisors to help in that process. Sometimes that means helping business leaders understand some of the things they need to watch out for, which brings us to today's episode. I'm joined by two of my colleagues, Alyssa Gardenschwartz from our Denver office and Greg Brower, who works in both our Washington, D.C. and Las Vegas offices. Hello to both of you. Can you introduce yourselves, please? Sure. This is Alyssa Garden-Schwartz. As Mitch mentioned, I am in the Denver office. I'm a shareholder in our litigation department where I specialize in consumer protection and fraud actions. My uh, prior experience was I was the Deputy Attorney General for Consumer Protection in the Colorado Attorney General's Office, and I was there for 12 years. So consumer protection in particular is, again, where I focus my expertise. And this is Greg Brower. As Mitch mentioned, I split my time between the firm's Washington, D.C. and Nevada offices, I'm uh, sort of stuck in D.C. right now, uh, as we are all stuck wherever we happen to have been approximately eight weeks ago. My practice involves primarily uh, litigation, both civil and criminal, and also government investigations. I have been in and out of government a few times during my career, having served in the Department of Justice three different times and also as a federal inspector general. Thank you, guys. Greg, let's start with you. So we know that over the past weeks, Congress um, and some state governments have worked frantically to provide assistance to individuals and businesses in numerous ways. Um, Lots of money has been flowing from government to business, maybe not as fast as we'd like, maybe not as much as we'd like, but it's been coming. And there's been a lot of focus on how to obtain that money, who's eligible for what and the like. What do businesses need to be thinking about now on the back end of these programs or as these programs continue to develop? Well, as you point out, Mitch, there has been, uh, in response to this unprecedented crisis, uh, there has been trillions of dollars in new spending approved by the Congress. And some of that money, of course, is making its way out to state and local governments, and to businesses, large and small, in in the form of loans and grants and other types of programs. And of course, with that amount of federal spending will come a very robust oversight effort 
on the part of the federal government as dictated by Congress to ensure that the money is being spent in the way that Congress intended uh, and so as to uh, investigate and, and eliminate and mitigate uh, waste, fraud, and abuse associated with this spending. And so I think that for businesses out there, uh, there are two things to keep in mind. One, it's important to figure out if if there is any part of this new spending that, that your business can take advantage of, that you qualify for, and that would be helpful in getting your business through this, this unprecedented economic uh, uh, disaster, if you will. And then secondly, if in fact your business uh, does seem to be eligible and qualified and you do take advantage of some of these programs, you need to keep in mind that there will be, as I mentioned a moment ago, a lot of robust oversight in terms of audits and potentially investigations in terms of how the money is being spent. And that could, uh, those audits and investigations could be aimed both at the, the government agencies responsible for the spending, but also uh, aimed at the recipients of, of those relief funds. And so that is something that I'm sure we're going to see a lot of in the weeks and months to come. So, Greg, one thing that has been clear in these last several weeks is that these programs have been put together very quickly. There's sometimes guidance uh, that comes out from the government to explain how these programs are going to work. If you take, for example, the PPP, Payment Protection Program, there was what appeared to be a pretty straightforward statute um, that businesses could take advantage of. But in the days and weeks that followed, there was guidance, sometimes contradictory guidance. Um, and now people are learning that they might be uh, suffering some consequences if they haven't followed the law in the way that it was intended or existed at any particular time, which we now know has made some people question whether they should take their loans or not. How's Mr. or Mrs. Executive down the street supposed to figure out what they can and can't do in order to avoid uh, any kind of government consequences? It's a great question, Mitch, because we, we've seen and heard from many uh, such businesses in the last several weeks uh, a lot of frustration in terms of trying to understand exactly w whether they're eligible and and what the program allows for and doesn't allow for. The government hasn't made it any easier by coming out with, um, it seems on a, on a weekly and sometimes seems like a daily basis, new guidance in the form of frequently asked questions and other guidance that sometimes is helpful and sometimes creates even more confusion. And so my advice to businesses in finding itself in, in that sort of position is to you know, make sure you're very carefully reviewing and analyzing all of the guidance coming out from the government using a competent legal counsel to assist with that uh, if necessary. Uh, but then also keeping in mind that it's probably never, uh, in most cases, going to be precisely black or white, and certain judgment calls are going to have to be made. And businesses should understand that in the same way that they're doing the best they can to make those judgment calls in good faith, subsequent oversight efforts, whether they be inspector general audits uh, or investigations, 
are also going to be hampered, if you will, to some extent by the fact that there's a lot of gray area. And so assuming that your typical OIG auditor is reasonable and rational, the same sort of gray area that the businesses tried to navigate in applying for the program will also be part of the subsequent audit effort on the part of the government. And there will be, I assume, an understanding that many businesses entered into these uh, programs, took advantage of these programs without uh, a lot of precise answers uh, in terms of whether they were eligible or not, did the best they could, acted in good faith, and the audit activity will hopefully take all of that into account. Thanks, Greg. So keeping on our theme for today of things that businesses need to look out for, uh, we've talked about now uh, some of the things they need to look out for in relation to benefits that they've received in order to stay open or reopen, but there are traps to be found, I think, in the process of reopening. And Alyssa, I'm going to ask you, what are some of the things based on your experience that businesses need to watch out for not to get themselves in trouble as they are just doing the best they can to get back to reopening? Sure. So businesses, as they reopen, are going to want to reassure their customers that they are doing everything that they can to ensure their customer safety when they come on the premises or when they purchase their products, right? So um, they are likely going to want to make representations to consumers about how they're managing for coronavirus exposure risk. Uh, and that's great. And they should be looking at the um, guidance, state, federal, local, on how to manage for that risk. But businesses want to be really careful about not overstating what they're doing to manage that risk. They don't want to be making statements like, we are a coronavirus-free environment, or you know, you're safer in our hotel than any other hotel out there, right? Because what we are likely going to see are both prosecutors, um, so state attorneys general, um, as well as potentially federal prosecutors, as well as plaintiff's lawyers who are looking for opportunities to sue businesses for, uh, for consumer protection law violations. And specifically, um, there are these um, what we call unfair and deceptive um, acts and practices laws. Uh, every state has them. Um, and the Federal Trade Commission also has um, Section 5 of the Federal Trade Commission Act, um, which prohibits unfair and deceptive trade practices. But these laws are really broad, and we've seen them used to address a whole host of um, practices that um, consumers or state and federal authorities deem to be, quote unquote, unfair to consumers. And so when businesses, again, are doing their marketing in terms of, you know, whether their establishment is uh, adequately managing for coronavirus, or if you happen to have a product um, where you think that 
um, there's a, a, a coronavirus angle to selling it. You know, let's say you, you have a dietary supplement um, that boosts immunity. And obviously, that's something that people are thinking about right now. You have to be really careful about um, when you're invoking the coronavirus and, and uh, making sure that the representations that you make to your customers aren't overstatements. They're not misleading. They're not false. And in that vein, too, you also need to think about whether you need to be making affirmative disclosures about whether there's been coronavirus exposure at your property so that folks can't argue that they came onto your property, somehow subsequently got infected, and try to blame you for that infection. So again, businesses really need to think carefully about how they're talking about the coronavirus as they reopen. So Alyssa, not to speak poorly of an industry, of course, there are lots of plaintiff's attorneys out there um, that provide a very important service in, our, in, in the legal world to people who have suffered legitimate harms. But I think that a lot of our listeners who are in business are also familiar with attorneys who bring uh, thin ADA claims or thin employment claims or thin personal injury claims because they're in it for the settlement value or the attorney's fees and some things. Are those incentives there in the context of these unfair practices laws that you talk about? Yeah, great question, Mitch. They absolutely are. Many of state unfair and deceptive acts and practices laws allow for a private right of action. Um, that is the case in both Colorado and Nevada. And uh, because of the, the way those laws are set up, meaning like, for example, in Colorado, if you bring a private action to enforce the Colorado Consumer Protection Act and you're successful, um, you're entitled to treble damages as well as attorney's fees. Um, in Nevada, you are also entitled to attorney's fees if you are a, uh, a consumer and you bring an action um, in Nevada and you're successful. So, yeah, there are incentives for industrious plaintiff's lawyers to really try and ferret out these unfair acts and practices claims and potentially bring actions um, without there being much evidence to support them to um, try and drive some sort of early settlement. Um, and I think that's something that we can, we can expect to see here. So Greg and Alyssa, listening to you, um, somebody could walk away as, as this sounding like a very doom and gloom situation. I'm going to turn back to Greg and let you kind of answer collectively for all of us. We're obviously identifying pitfalls that the unwary business owner or business leader can fall into in the course of reopening when they're just trying to do their best. What are the one or two items of advice, Greg, that you would give so that people don't have to be uh, scared to open their businesses, but can be prepared uh, to avoid these pitfalls? Mitch, I think that businesses, by and large, that act in good faith and uh, simply do the best they can to comply with the coming uh, standards and regulations concerning reopening will be just fine. Uh, and that's both with respect to the application for federal relief that we've described, 
Uh, and and again, with respect to the, the coming reopening and some of the complexities that go into that. When I talk about OIG audits and investigations, we have to keep in mind that even with increased budgets for federal uh, inspector general offices, and in fact, uh, even with the, the creation of a, a new special IG for pandemic response, the IGs will only have limited resources and in my estimation will be focused primarily as they should be on actual fraud. They're going to be looking for um, people and businesses who are actually trying to take advantage of government programs by misstating facts, uh, making misleading statements of fact on their applications and 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 some just trying to uh, defraud the government. So that's where the primary focus will be. So for businesses that are not doing that, that are acting in good faith, despite some of the gray areas we've talked about, and are really trying to reopen their business uh, with, with, with due care and in, in compliance with all of the applicable governmental requirements, they're going to be fine. Uh, it's those who are trying to take advantage of the system in one way or another who really should and will likely be uh, on the receiving end of a lot of government scrutiny. And then, Alyssa, I'm going to come back to you one more time with a similar question. For businesses that do not want to fall prey to the industrious uh, plaintiff's lawyers you're talking about, it doesn't sound like we're talking about major investments in uh, programs or redoing things, but more about being careful and maybe getting some good counsel on the front end to avoid challenges on the back end. Is that right? Yes, that's exactly right. And I'd recommend counsel sort of around two areas. First, in terms of what businesses are doing when they're reopening, in terms of following best practices for reopening, I think it's important to gain an understanding of what those best practices are, what the guidance is, um, the official guidance is in the jurisdictions where you're operating. So you have a good understanding of what your legal obligations are, as well as what, um, what the best practices are for your particular area so that you are on solid ground in terms of what you're doing to protect for the coronavirus. And then I think the second thing is to have somebody take a look at your communications with your customers, with consumers, to ensure that you're not crossing the line into overstatement or misrepresentation when you're talking to your customers about what you're doing to prevent exposure and what you're doing, um, what sort of product qualities your your product may have related to the coronavirus. You just want to make sure that you're being very careful about your marketing and getting good, solid counsel on how to do that. And that's going to be a wrap for Brownstein's What's Next. We will continue to strive to bring attorneys and policy advisors from throughout our firm to address issues that are going to be critical to business in the days, weeks, and months to come. Alyssa and Greg, thank you for joining us on this episode of Brownstein's What's Next. Thanks, Mitch. It's been a pleasure. Thank you very much, Mitch. Thank you for listening to the Brownstein Hyatt Farbershreck podcast series. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and rate us on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast app. Visit bhfs.com for more information.